Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Lee Campbell-Taylor, the interim pastor here, and Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. In my final uh, two years of college, I lived in an old house with three other students, Janet and Lillian and Jay, who was a guy. It was no big deal. We each had our own room and we were sufficiently mature that we could responsibly share two bathrooms. Our no big deal attitude, however, did not reach my grandmother. And she came and visited the house and she met Janet and Lillian and Jay And apparently she just could not quite absorb the idea of three young women and one young man sharing living quarters because she reported to my parents that Lee's roommates are all so very nice, but oh my, that poor girl with the beard. (laughs) That's a true story. The fact is Jay, with his beard, um, was very helpful to Janet and Lillian and me. If we needed a date but didn't want to deal with a date, then Jay might be our, uh, our escort for the evening. And he also served as sort of interpreter, almost translator, between the various boyfriends and girlfriends who populated our circle. For me, that particular function uh, was most keenly experienced when a commitment-shy guy dumped me one afternoon, and I stumbled home to weep. Because Jay and I had similar um, class schedules that semester, he was at the house when I weepingly came through the door, and he sat across from me at the kitchen table as I sobbed and sobbed and ate an entire angel food cake (laughs) with my bare hands. We talked for hours about committed relationships, how special they seemed, how risky they felt, how unusual they were because of how much maturity they required. Since the book of Ruth is a story of committed relationships, I wanted you to hear the full expanse of it rather than just the snippets that the lectionary deal doles out over a couple of weeks. And so I'm grateful to Agnes and Rena and Clark for making it possible for us to do a Reader's Digest version of an entire book of the Bible. And I even full length, it's only four chapters, and I encourage you to read it and notice its twists and turns. And notice also God's abiding presence always there in the background. The story begins with a family fleeing a famine. Leaving Bethlehem, their desperation is clear from the fact that they go to Moab, which is an enemy nation on the far side of the Dead Sea. Death follows them. Their patriarch dies in Moab. And so Naomi is now a widowed foreigner. But at least she has that ancient insurance policy She has sons. They both marry local brides, and so Naomi's fortunes are looking up. She now has connections within her adopted country, and surely grandchildren are on the way. 
But a decade later, not only are there no grandkids, but the sons die, leaving the bleak reality of three widows. In the ancient world, widowhood was perilous. You had no security, no power. You were socially isolated and economically, even physically, at risk. If no male next of kin stepped up to take you in, you were doomed to day labor or worse. I can't help thinking of the millions of refugees in the world today, in the Middle East, in Europe, in Africa, along our southern border. All these desperate children of God seeking a viable life. Please hold them in your prayer. As for Naomi, when she learns that God is providing food to the people back in Bethlehem, she decides that returning to her homeland is her best option. But knowing what it is to be a stranger in a strange land, Naomi urges her Moabite daughters-in-law to return to their own mothers. One of these young women refuses, making instead the extraordinary pledge of commitment. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. What greater commitment could one offer? Offering all that she has, all that she is, Ruth chooses to shape her life through this committed relationship. The two are then met in Bethlehem with consternation. Grief has rendered Naomi almost unrecognizable. Plus, she is now trailed by Ruth the Moabite. That's how the woman is almost always described. Ruth the Moabite, the suspect foreigner. The only auspicious detail of this Bethlehem homecoming is its timing. The women arrive in time for the harvest. God-given sustenance. True to a widow's fate, Ruth goes to the fields to glean. This practice, codified in the book of Leviticus, dictates that farmers not gather every little last bit of every crop, but instead leave edible remnants around the edge of the harvest. In other words, Ruth engages in the ancient world's version of what we witness today, when desperate people scavenge for food in a dumpster. As an aside, this is why I give thanks for Covenant's commitment to food with dignity. Just yesterday, Debbie Anderson led a small caravan of us to a free, fit, a free fridge where we unloaded your donations and talked with some of the people who rely on that as their source of healthy food. Thank you. For Ruth, as the full text puts it, as it happened, she came to the field belonging to Boaz. Just then, Boaz arrived. I once heard it said that coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. When Boaz learns that this particular gleaner is Naomi's Moabite dependent, he extends courtesy and protection to Ruth. Baffled, she asks why would he be so kind, and he attributes it directly to her commitment to Naomi. Ruth the Moabite's committed relationship is the admirable example that Boaz the Bethlehemite follows. It's remarkable. Many scholars believe that the book of Ruth 
was written in response to the heartless expulsion of foreign wives and children stipulated in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Those two leaders saw intermarriage with local people as a cause of the Babylonian exile, and so Ezra and Nehemiah banished all non-Israelite women, including Moabites, along with any children that they'd born to their Israelite husbands. To this tragedy, the book of Ruth says, no, God is committed to everyone, and God can work through anyone. And the rest of today's story bears this out. When Naomi learns how Boaz has received Ruth, Naomi's faith in God is restored, and the two widows collaborate on a dicey plan that succeeds spectacularly. Ruth and Boaz marry and have a child, and so this story that began with famine and death and despair concludes with harvest and hope and Grandma Naomi rocking her grandbaby, who will one day have his own grandbaby, a shepherd boy, who will become King David. And so for Christians, the story continues even further. King David is an ancestor of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So Jesus the Messiah is a direct descendant of Ruth the Moabite. Jesus' capacity to live out the committed relationship that is God with us, welcoming outsiders, encouraging compassion, supporting widows, all of that traces back through human generations to God's providence unfolding in the twists and turns of the book of Ruth. And all the though the story may identify only two overt acts of God, the giving of food to famine-stricken Judah and the bringing of a baby into the union of Ruth and Boaz, the presence of God is referenced throughout the text. God permeates the story, redeeming situations by acting through Ruth's committed relationship with Naomi and Boaz's committed relationship with Ruth. This suggests not only the depth of God's committed relationship with us, it also suggests that through committed relationships with one another, we encounter and reflect the grace of God. In the twists and turns of the story of Covenant Presbyterian Church, like the twists and turns of the Book of Ruth, God may not always be visible, but God is always active working through the committed relationships of this congregation. Church, consider the past 19 months, a lingering pandemic, an overdue racial reckoning, an alarming election season, a looming climate crisis, and also for this congregation, the loss of both of your pastors. Committed relationships are what gets us through much as I marvel at the commitment of medical professionals and educators and other frontline workers, I marvel at and give thanks for the committed relationships that are the glue of this church family. I marvel at and give thanks for Chan Roberts calling every single member of Covenant on their birthday. And I promise you, church, that is not going on all over town. So tell everyone you know that that is the kind of church you have, and so they need to come and check it out. I also marvel at and give thanks for Steve Byerly, 
a filmmaker who joined this church just before the pandemic and was suddenly ensuring that Covenant could worship together, together even though the building was closed. We now have an AV team, but many Sundays, Steve is still up there. Church, not only is that a committed relationship, I'd also say it's a Book of Ruth-worthy example of God at work through human commitment. As it happened, Steve the filmmaker came to Covenant, and just then the pandemic arrived. Coincidence, God's way of remaining anonymous. I also marvel at and give thanks for Karen Turney. Not only is she a clerk of session who will be invaluable to your next pastor, Karen also comes into her office right down the hall multiple days every week, coordinating with Bill Eadson as workers redo the HVAC and repair the elevator. Karen demonstrates her committed relationship with God through her committed relationship with this congregation. I could go on and on. More importantly, you could add all kinds of additional examples. Here in stewardship season, all this lifting up of committed relationship reminds me to note that stewardship is never only about money. It is also never not about money. It's always about committed relationships expressed through time and talent and treasure. Your active participation and financial support empower Covenant Presbyterian to build and maintain committed relationships within these walls and beyond. Committed relationships exist in many forms, between two widows, between a man of Bethlehem and a woman of Moab, between college housemates, and between members of a church. And most of all, between God and us. God's committed relationship with creation and with humankind in particular is what the Bible is all about. God's committed relationship with us is also what stewardship season is all about. And so I ask every one of you to make a generous pledge as a way to live out your committed relationship, not merely to covenant, but to God, because as the body of Christ, we are called into the greatest committed relationship of all. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.